Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 158 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Kill La Kill episodes 19 through 21, where nudist beach sucks you right out of your clothes, Ryuko gets some new, happy, very fake memories, and Satsuki and Ryuko try on each other's outfits. You gotta try on each other's outfits when you're enemies. You know, you know, how Sonic is nude and Dr. Robotnik wears that weird SMM outfit. Well, sometimes Sonic is like, I want to put that on. And sometimes Mr. Robotnik is just like, I am a never nude, so I never take off my clothes. Don't ask me any more about it. I'm a never nude. Anyways, let's jump in. I feel like this is like the third time in our years of podcasting that some sort of never nude joke has come up. And I don't think it'll be the last because anime is a weird place. Yeah. So, hey, everybody, we are back again. If you haven't listened to our Monday episode, which is secretly a Wednesday episode, um, you should uh, <laughs> check it out. Uh, it is a full primer of all of Megaloblox. Um, a show that is Megalobox, Megaloblox, or something else. <laughs> Megablocks, I guess. I said Megaloblox. God, now I said it wrong. Oh, God. <laughs> you um, said it wrong the first time, too. No, no. <laughs> I let the record show that I didn't say it wrong the first time. And Check don't the you, tapes. Don't you record and listen to it, because that's not how... God, if only we had been recording this for some reason. <laughs> Um, so, hey, uh, I think the biggest news that we should talk about is the fact that after this episode, there's only one Kill a Kill left of our show. Yeah, I did not realize that until the end of one of our episodes today. They made a joke about how there wouldn't be any more episode uh, previews, and I was like, oh, we must be at the end, huh? Yeah, so be prepared for that. So if you're trying to come up with a show... That's gonna be replacing Kill a Kill. Um, we we will add that up for uh, voting soon. Um, if you yeah. are interested in somebody getting early access to picking out some of the stuff, um, as well as uh, getting more votes than just the normal amount of votes, you can also become a patron, and uh, they get they get additional say. So last time, the way that it worked, yeah. I did uh, I I did a. A regular show just from Blake, one from me, one from the online community, and then one directly from the patrons, and the patrons all voted on them. Um, so that was really exciting and fun, um, and I would like to do yeah, that again. I thought that was, yeah, I think that's the best way to do it, because, uh, you know, then Spencer and I get to put a horse in the race directly, which feels nice because we're the hosts, but we also make sure that everybody gets a voice, that the patrons get a voice. And again, yeah, if you are a patron, I believe you get two votes to everybody else's one. Correct. It's like living in a small state. Your vote counts more than people that live in a big state. Yeah. It's in America. It's not a joke. It's just a fact. If you live in America, your votes do not count the same as other people, depending on which state you live in. Yeah. Some people's votes have more power. If you're a patron, you are a small state person uh, from a voting metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, get excited, get pumped, because we are going to be putting out a, a new shoe, a new shoe, a new show soon. New shoe. Um, and I'm... Who knows if there will be new shoes involved, but probably. Yeah. 
Well, uh, other than that, I didn't have a, a bunch of news this week, other than the fact that uh, I am all the way caught up now with um, with Demon Slayer, which was a, a revelation oh. of a show that I decided to run all the way through. And the biggest reason I wanted to do that is because I would very much like to see an anime movie that is very good in theaters. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, Rashad and I have talked about going to see that movie together, but one of the problems with it is because it's canonical... Um, it's good to know what the hell you're about to watch a little bit. Uh, I had watched very little of Demon Slayer, um, basically like the first five episodes of Demon Slayer. Um, and then I just kind of got off topic when I was watching it. Um, so I just kind of fell away. Um, but I will say after picking it up, some of the fights are ridiculous and some of the fights are fantastic. Um, and so it's just kind of interesting. So my experience, so I, I've watched a little bit of Demon Slayer, but as you know, uh, I watch things very slowly, uh, but I've really enjoyed it. And I can completely see why it's so, so popular. Although the insane degree of its popularity is still a little mystifying just because, you know, like it's outselling One Piece and that's wild. Um, but I, I get it. It's a really good show. It. If I'm remembering correctly, Spencer, before now, your opinion on Demon Slayer was one of sort of uh, vague disinterest based on not having it grab you. Is that right? Yeah, I I wasn't blown away with it when I originally started watching it. And the biggest reason why is because it leans pretty heavily on... um, there's some really interesting stuff that happens with it, some gore stuff that happens with it that I'm not 100% on, you know, interested in all the time. Um, and then the other thing that it does a lot is it switches between its very serious subject matter to, like, really silly humor. Um, and it changes the animation style when it does it, and it feels very out of left field when it does it as well. Um, which set me off originally on it, and it, I still okay. sort of feel that way about the show. Um, because I, I think that the show does, I think the show does fighting animation really beautifully. I think it does the fact that it mixes, um, different ways that, uh, different kind of palettes and different ways that it does. It's definitely a mixed media anime. Um, so if you don't, uh, I think we've talked about it a bunch of times on the show, but mixed media just means that there's like one animation style mixed with another animation style. If you're talking about it specifically inside of like, uh, you know, direct art. Um, so like if you were talking about like a painting, you could think about it as mixed media might be, uh, you use watercolor and also you're using clay to mold over the top of it, or you're going to be putting like, um, you know, different, like maybe you're doing like a, um, uh, a mosaic on top of oil as well. So you, you're mixing the kinds of, you know, kinds of way that you're doing the art. And Demon Slayer really does that. Uh, you, you see it really, really come to fruition when he starts using his different um, I, water techniques. And I put water in quotes when I say it, even though you can't see my quote yeah. fingers, um, because the techniques don't actually shoot out water, I don't believe. Um, but the animation style is to show you what it feels like with the slashing techniques that he's doing, um, in a really beautiful and cool way. Um, and that really started to catch me. And then I got into the storyline where you learn about the big bad and the big bad is 
fascinating. Um, he is a really cool character. There is also a buildup of like the characters that are his underlings. Um, and you start to learn about them as being like the big bad core that you have to defeat in order to get to the big bad. And it really, um, it really stroked that part of my shonen trash piece of me. That's just like, Oh, you get to fight an elite four before getting to a champion. Yes. I want. Yes. Yeah. Give me that. That is the correct way of things. And I approve. Yes. (laughs) Like, Blake's, Blake would like everything to be an Elite Four style Pokemon game in any, every manga or every anime style. So. Everything is either Pokemon or Digimon, and I will explain why. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Anyways. Because we're going to be talking about scary Digimon on our weekly jump episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Before we get started with uh, our episodes, though, we have to learn what happened previously on, unless you have anything else. I I don't know if you do. Uh, it, Mouse Rat is releasing an album for the 10th anniversary commemoration (laughs) of parks and recreation. This is not anime news, but it is fun and nerdy and uh, particularly relevant to you, Spencer, because you are a huge parks and rec fan. That's true. And yeah, so they are releasing an album. I think uh, if I'm remembering correctly, Pete sent me a link about this earlier today. So this, uh, this news may be completely fresh. Uh, Obviously we're recording a few days before you hear it, but still, still pretty new as far as i know um they're releasing a 10-year anniversary commemorative album for parks and recreation including songs from the show or songs referenced in the show um there's a a track listing and everything um and it i think it's a mouse i think it's it's under the heading as a mouse rat album um which is the fictional band's uh, played by played in by one of the characters from Parks and Recreation, and uh, it includes songs from other characters. So that is let me see that's coming out on August twenty seventh, which is a couple months away. But you know it'll be here before you know it. It includes the big hits like Five Thousand Candles in the Wind, The Pit, Sex Hair. Uh, it also has, um, I believe at least one Duke Silver song on it. And I think a couple of other music artists from the series are featured. So color me interested. If you're a Parks and Recreation fan, check that out. If you're not a Parks and Recreation fan, um, you should, uh, consider watching it because it's a very good show even though it's on stupid fucking Peacock and nobody should use Peacock. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into our episodes for this week. So, Blake, tell us what happened previously on Kill a Kill. Well, I'll do my best. Uh, Kill a Kill is a story about a place called Hanoji Academy, uh, which is a high school, but very much not a normal high school because the universe that Kill a Kill is is sort of a almost a Looney Tunes for adults anime universe. And so as a consequence, this high school is uh, also basically a totalitarian government agency for the region of Japan in which it sits. And the student body president, a girl named Satsuki is functionally the dictator of the entire town surrounding the high school, as well as everybody going to the high school. Uh, she is somewhat villainous 
um, and is guarded by four people known as the Elite Four, which are, you know, various students that have special powers. The characters in this show gain special powers by special uniforms that they wear called Goku uniforms. The clothing has something called a life fiber in it that is able to um, enhance people's abilities to the point that they are able to do wacky anime shit. Uh, our main character is a girl named Ryuko. Ryuko shows up at Hanoji Academy one day uh, with a chip on her shoulder because her father was killed recently and she thinks Satsuki is at fault. Uh, she begins a campaign to fight her way through Satsuki's Goku-uniformed goons. Uh, she eventually fights her way up to the Elite Four, and around the time that she defeats all of the members of the Elite Four, we find out that life fibers, the things that make the Goku uniforms work, are actually parts of an alien organism that hit the Earth early on in humans' evolutionary timeline, and in fact, the life fibers came down in this primordial life fiber and decided that the progenitors of humanity had sort of the greatest evolutionary uh, opportunity or potential. And so the life fibers actually spurred uh, and arguably created the evolution that led to humanity. Uh, it did this by forming clothes around us, and so we evolved into humans while also sort of coming prepackaged with the inherited assumption that humans wear clothes. Uh, this means that clothes are actually evil, and they are, uh, I guess not all clothes, but most clothes have life fibers sewn into them because there's a, a global conglomerate called oh god it's escaping me and i don't think i have it in the notes there's a global conglomerate uh i can't remember the name shit uh they make like 70 percent of all the clothes in the world including a hundred percent of the clothing markets of several large countries and they are expanding quickly the ceo of this company is a woman named ragyo who is actually satsuki's mother but is actually an alien uh and uh oh god so some of this gets clarified in this episode and i may be using clarified a little bit loosely because if you're listening along you can tell that this is some wacky shit so she's an alien although maybe i think maybe she just allowed herself to be possessed by the aliens and has had her body transformed by them since. But her body is basically uh, functionally unkillable life fibers, 100%. And she revealed that her villainous plan is to have all of the life fibers sewn into the clothes scattered across the world, take over their hosts, which is the sort of end game that was planned by the primordial life fiber all those uh, thousands of years ago, millions of years ago, however long it was, that they, it landed on the Earth and started causing humans to evolve. And uh, now they are creating these things called covers, which are basically clothes looking for a person to put inside of them, which allows them to kind of feed off of that person's energy and be be an organism, but the clothes are in charge. Um, so this is kind of the end game that Ragyo has been working toward. She also has a right-hand lady named Nui who has been helping her with this. 
and as Satsuki's mother, kind of figured that Satsuki was inadvertently helping her with this as well by uh, having people get trained to use Goku uniforms at the academy. Satsuki, however, it turns out, was aware that her mother was secretly an alien plotting to overthrow the world and has been preparing for this day to fight her. Satsuki has a special piece of clothing called Junketsu, which is uh, not a Goku uniform, but is something called a Kamui, which is instead of being comprised with a life fiber, it is comprised out of life fibers. So all of the fibers are life fibers. Um, uh, Ryuko, our main character, also has one of those called Senketsu, and they've been fighting each other, but now they kind of uh, join forces against Ragyo. They have a big fight. All the covers are threatening to take over the people in the school, and uh, Satsuki and Ryuko are trying to stop Ragyo from doing this. And that's pretty much where we left off right after Ragyo pulled out Ryuko's beating heart from her chest to reveal that it is wrapped in life fibers because Ryuko is not human either. And that, I think, brings us to episode 19. Yeah, so episode 19. No, I didn't mention Mako. (laughs) Yeah, well, Mako's a hilarious friend to Ryuko who has been a constant through the series as well and is sort of a charming dummy. And yeah, she's she's, she's definitely a dummy. Um anyways. She is. <laughs> this episode is called episode 19 Raindrops keep falling on my head. Um and uh it's they fantastic. Uh so Yeah, these are all good episodes. Yeah, so this episode basically uh, I I want to say the the only thing that is is really really important to begin with this episode is that uh Mako is is uh almost going to be taken um and uh or she is going to be taken and they are fighting against them they're fighting the good fight but they are really really losing and so uh Lady Satsuki has to pull out her final uh, her final plan, and that is that she is going to set off a bomb, and it is going to explode everything around them. Um, and uh, because of that, um, you know, everything is exploded, and then we're going to jump forward a month. <laughs> yeah, I got the impression that this was to cause an end to the fighting because the destruction would be too much, maybe too in the way. Um, People were being abducted by the covers too. And so I'm not sure if this stopped the people who hadn't been abducted yet from being abducted, but also it seems like if they hadn't been abducted, they're kind of exposed to, you know, the explosion and the resultant rebel. So I'm not sure her plan was very uh, humanitarian, but it does put a stop to the fight. Um, but the result is that uh, Satsuki ends up getting captured. And Ryuko, uh, more because of having her heart pulled out of her chest, um, although it's been put back now, I guess. But her heart was out for a few minutes. Uh, so less because of the explosion, but more because of that. Ryuko's in a coma. And now uh, this organization, Nudist Beach, that is the sort of primary resistance. Nudist Beach, Nudist Beach, Nudist Beach. (laughs) Nudist Beach. Uh, They are the primary resistance against the covers and the life fiber invasion. They have sort of regrouped at their secret hideout with Satsuki's Elite Four, who also are going to reveal that they all knew about this too. Um, Mm -hmm. But that 
they didn't let on that they knew because the fewer people that know, the easier it is to keep a secret, which is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One I of my, totally that brings... accept this retcon, even though it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. That brings up one of my favorite things that I've, I've heard about with like, uh, it was on an episode of John Oliver where he talked about how, um, how, uh, the, the, all of these like big giant conspiracy theories are so ridiculous. Yeah. And one of the reasons why is because like, in order to keep this a secret, you would have to keep it secret with so many people. <laughs> and the more people that you have knowing a secret like this, the more difficult it g- becomes to like keep said secret. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, yeah that makes total sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually think about that a lot because I think we, we are living in a time where uh, conspiracy theories are really able to get a lot more um, eyeballs and a lot more people being... Uh, s- sort of swayed by them or, I don't know, seduced by the idea of conspiracy theories. And I think conspiracy theories are a blast. Like, I love stories with conspiracies in them. In fact, I haven't finished Iron Fist Season 1, but uh, if you know anything about Iron Fist Season 1, you know that most people don't like it or think it's very good. And I was really enjoying it because the core plot is a conspiracy to take over this company and to, you know, it it involves like corporate conspiracy mixed in with like magical conspiracy. Mm -hmm. And I just jive with conspiracy plot lines so well that I was like, I don't know that this is good, but I'm enjoying it. (laughs) And uh, I think, you know, it's good to think about when you're in a, the potential for a real life conspiracy. Cause the thing is some real life conspiracies have turned out to be true. And some things that sound like conspiracy theories are not and are actually <laughs> uh, real things that are happening. But most conspiracy theories aren't true, and you should always approach them and really everything with a, a bit of skepticism. If it's not coming from some sort of expert or trusted source, uh, it, it should be met with a huge amount of scrutiny. And uh, it's, a, it's always good to remember that people are really dumb And people are really bad at not making mistakes. And so the more complicated it would be to keep a secret and the more people that would need to keep it, the less likely it is to be true just through those reasons alone. Uh, And so, yeah, the Elite Four is using this theory in practice here and revealing that they, the four of them, and Satsuki, who we already had had revealed, knew about this conspiracy. They are the only ones that were in on it, along with, I think, like the head of the sewing club or something like that. It was like a total of six or seven people at the school were aware of it um, because they were either the higher ups, uh, you know, being the elite four and the school president, or I think the sewing club guy was the one making the Goku uniforms. They're also going to reveal in these episodes, maybe at this point, but I don't remember exactly, that the Goku uniforms, from Ragyo's perspective, were there to help create a dependence on the life fiber clothing. But actually, the use of the Goku uniforms allowed the students to become resistant to life fibers. And so all students that were wearing Goku uniforms are potentially able to resist the influence of the covers and join the resistance, even if the covers try to grab them. And I love this little detail. Like this is a show 
that is based on pure insanity, but it actually has a lot of internal logic that's really pleasing and that you could follow from start to finish, even though the sort of logical steps you're taking on the way don't make any goddamn sense on their own. Yeah. So um, the one of one of my favorite things that happens inside of this episode too is that you find out um, that uh, that your main character is going to be in a coma. Um, she's been in a coma basically this this entire time, um, and she is she is not able to wake up. And so they decide that they're gonna make they're gonna make like this this like suction device that's gonna be able to pull people out of these covers and when you see it used the first time they're just like yes we have succeeded we pulled one person out and they get mako out and they're so excited about it um and then uh, immediately afterwards uh they there's like this weird discordant music that gets played um and it it it's it's really i guess it's really unpleasant to the ear so much so that it forces um uh you know um Oh God! Uh, right, uh, God. What is my 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 mouth is not catching up with this today. But uh, Ryuko, um, it it forces Ryuko to wake up, and Ryuko comes out and she destroys all of these people at like the same time immediately without really trying, seeming seeming like she's trying really at all. Um, and it's and it's it's just this great moment because it's just like. We spent so much time making this one thing <laughs> to get <laughs> one person out, and <laughs> she just waylays the entire pe- group of people in one stroke. It's yeah, just... I think this can definitely be chalked up partly to the reveals that she is not quite human, but also she's had a special sword this whole time that's one half of a scissor blade uh, that was given to her by her dad, and also, I guess, created by her dad. And we learn this episode that, uh, so Raggio, while all this stuff is happening with Nudist Beach, Raggio has um, has uh, strung up Satsuki in the most fanservice-y of the fanservice uh, in this series so far, I would say, where like, the this is a series built on fanservice, which you would think would be a turnoff for Spencer and I. But it uses fan service in a way that is hilarious. For example, the the leader of Nudist Beach can't stop taking off his clothes, and every time his nipples come out, they like glow. And I was like, I want to figure out how to get like LED lights on your nipples so that you can like cosplay as this dude at like a con after party or something, because he's fucking hilarious, and that would be a coup if you could figure out how to make it look right. Uh, but I don't know anything about that. What I do know is that Raggio is going to be really sexually creepy with her daughter, except that it's not her daughter. Yeah. And I might need your help on this, Spencer. So if I understand correctly, Raggio, like I said in the beginning, I think Raggio used to be a human, but I might be wrong about that. Mm, I and I was also sort of in the dark on this one. I I felt like I sort of followed along, but at the same time, I was just like, I think, I think I get it, but I'm not hundred yeah, percent sure. She definitely so the the primordial life fibers, the alien entity that hit the Earth, lo these many moons ago and caused the evolution of humans and set all of this in in motion. It has 
sort of like arbiters, like main main people who are who are carrying the torch of the primordial life fiber. And if I'm remembering correctly and understanding correctly, Ragio is not the first or only one of those. Like this has been, I think these are people that that sort of take on this role and have their bodies transformed by the primordial life fibers to serve as the kind of overseer of this mission. And Ragio just happens to be the one that's active at the time that the plan finally goes into action. That is my understanding. So I think Ragio used to be human and was turned into a life fiber being, I think. She... Okay, so there's this guy named Soichiro Kiryuin who gets married to Ragyo. And he is listed as Ragyo's husband and Satsuki's father. So what I'm thinking is that Soichiro... Oh, God, let me read it. Soichiro Kiryuin must have had Satsuki already when they got married from like a previous marriage or, or a previous coupling or something like that. Because it, it doesn't sound like Ragyo is Satsuki's actual biological mother, which is news. Also, Soichiro Kiryuin fakes his own death and then changes his identity to that of Ishin Matoi, which was Ryuko's father. And it turns out that Ryuko is not his biological daughter, but was actually Ragyo's biological daughter. So Satsuki thought she was Ragyo's biological daughter, but is actually her adopted daughter. And Ryuko thought she was Matoi's biological daughter, but is actually his adopted daughter. And they are basically actually the daughters of each other's assumed parent. And that is revealed here. And it's as confusing as it sounds, because as you can see, neither Spencer nor I are 100% sure that we have this exactly right. Yep, and that takes us to episode 20, Far From the Madding Crowd. <laughs> um, so, I know this song too. Yeah, this episode is, is uh, I would say, aggressively silly. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, yeah, what's so interesting about this episode and the next one is that you can tell that the plot is getting very serious and is hitting it's hitting a sort of familiar plot beat that you see in a lot of action series and particularly a lot of shonen series and one that i really enjoy and one that often comes either at the sort of midpoint dark night of the soul or near but not uh, like directly preceding the climax basically and you can just feel that this series is getting climactic and is getting to the end and that this is sort of the last thing we need to do before we head into the finale uh and that's great and there's so much tension but it's also extra wacky and just oh, like yeah. extra over the top and it's such it should not work them threading these two needles at the same time but they totally do yeah, so this episode has really important information that's going to happen inside of it, which is Ryuko is going to be, um, she is going to be uh, brought in uh, to a fight. She is going to get, go back and forth uh, between clones of Ragyo and Nui um, and uh, get brought to Hanoji Academy so that she can be abducted and have her brain changed and given false memories. And when they do, part of the aggressive silliness occurs, which is that you are shown a screen that's covered in the life fibers. And then all of a sudden it opens up and it's just memories 
of the past in super cartoony ways. Um, it is so silly. Um, but also it works really well though. Yeah. Actually tricked me for a second where I was like, wait, this isn't her past. Oh, they're implanting memories. And like, I like that I had to do that like sort of mental double take because to me that says that the sequence is kind of doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very, it was very interesting. Um, but it also led into another important thing that happens inside of this episode, um, which is after she gets captured, she is forced to put on Junkets. Um, and, uh, this is going to like mess, uh, really mess with her, um, and turn her kind of into like a new person almost. It's like, yeah, I got the impression that June Ketz was put on her as a part of the brainwashing and like its influence sort of helped them get in her mind. But maybe I'm making that up it, there. I think it's open to interpretation in some parts because this is yeah. a show that's built on ideas and not details. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a show built on ideas. <laughs> I mean, oh. you know, such it as it is. It is what it is, I guess. You know, what can you do? Yeah. Um, anyways. I mean, the ideas are fun, and that's sometimes all you need. Yeah. The The other thing that is going to happen is that uh, Lady Satsuki is going to officially join Nudist Beach, um, and she's going to run around with these, these nudists, and there's going to be a absolutely, <laughs> absolutely hilarious sequence. Um, where they're having a full-on conversation, um, and during this full-on conversation, um, our our resident get naked dad is going to, <laughs> as as like he's taking off his his like coat, but as it, the way that he is doing it is just like this slow motion fall away. Um, that is just, it's one of the most hilarious things that I've seen on the show so far because it's they don't, such a good visual joke. They just don't talk about it. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just as red, you know, it's just, but he's also, he, he's also the one that has the glowing nipples and any time that you would see his crotch, it also glows and it just gets me. It's just so fucking funny because yeah. it, like it, like I said, it's that like drawing attention to the fan service to sort of poke fun at it rather than actually to titillate, which is usually what fan service is there for. And usually why I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I did not particularly care for about the Ragio keeping Satsuki prisoner section, because it was unironic fan service, but for him, the irony is on full blast all the time. And it's so fucking funny. Yeah. If it were played straight, it wouldn't work because it would be too creepy and offsetting, but it's not. And it's not supposed to be, and it works. It's a good joke. Yeah, it's a really, really funny joke. It's 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 really hilarious. Um, but Yuriko is going to show up wearing chuquettes, um, and she is going to uh, fight on on behalf of the baddie baddies. Um, and uh, because of this, that's going to take us into episode twenty one, incomplete. Um, and man. Yeah. I love this. This is so this is the trope I was referring to earlier, which is the hero goes bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what yeah. what's so great about this, I generally enjoy a the hero goes bad section of the plot because mm-hmm. I think it's it's an interesting tension that I really 
uh, just it grips me kind of like I was talking about earlier. I like conspiracy theory narratives. It's just one of those things where I'm like, I love this trope. I enjoy seeing it. Um, it it's uh, it, it just works for me really well. Um, but what's so fun in this situation is that not only is it that, but it is a full on trading places because the last couple of episodes with the reveal that Satsuki is not actually the villain of the story, but alien, you know, symbiotic or I guess alien parasites are the actual villain. And then the next reveal that Satsuki knew about this and has been working to prepare to fight the alien parasites makes her seem like a protagonist, but she was still an antagonist to our actual protagonist, Ryuko. And now Ryuko shows up as a villain at the moment that Satsuki has joined the heroes organization that Ryuko was working with. And Ryuko shows up in Satsuki's old uniform and Satsuki is going to, at some point in this episode, put on Ryuko's old uniform and they have totally traded places. And I thought this was delightful. And yeah, What's also great about it is that you don't know, like as somebody who hasn't seen the series, I was like, what's probably going to happen is that they're going to beat Ryuko or in some way get to her so that she snaps back to it. And the series will end with Satsuki and Ryuko fighting alongside each other to beat Ragyo. But what could happen is that Satsuki becomes the new protagonist and that they actually change places. And I did not know which one was going to happen. And I really enjoyed the fact that like this series is so bonkers that it could kind of actually go either way and totally make it work. Yeah. It's really silly, but also really fantastic. It's, it it really strafes the line in a in a fantastic way. It's a it's a great show. Yeah, and the fighting <laughs> is good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And the the animation is so good too. Man, this show is just a blast. It's just like it's just it's like candy, you know. Like it's it's not necessarily going to fill up your that was fantastic uh, anime needs all the time if you're looking for something a little deeper or more complex. But it is going to make you really satisfied and sort of buzzing for a little bit after you watch it because it's just too fun. Yeah, it's too fun. <laughs> so some would so, say too fun. <laughs> <laughs> so Satsuki is gonna. So uh, yeah, Ryuko shows up. Satsuki is going to start fighting her, and she's specifically going to put on Junkets, which we didn't point this out earlier, but Ryuko had a had a whole thing before she ran off to fight Ragyo and Nui and get captured by them and turned into a baddie, that uh, she was g- no longer going to wear sen- Senkatsu at all because she has found out that she is a life fiber being just like Senkatsu, and she feels like one, it's not appropriate for her to wear Senketsu to fight other life fiber beings because it's sort of, you know, forcing Senketsu to kill his own kind, even though Senketsu is very clearly different from these other life fiber beings and is, you know, totally on board for all this. But also because she is a life fiber being herself, she she just has decided that this doesn't work for her and it's not going to happen. And so she she kind of, you know, kicks the dog, as it were, and tells Senketsu that she's not going to wear him anymore and she doesn't want to be partnered up with him. And that sucks. And then she runs off to, to this fight and gets turned into a baddie and she shows up in Junketsu, which is yet another slap to Senketsu's face. And so Satsuki puts Senketsu on because otherwise she's not going to be able to stand up to 
the fact that Ryuko is in a Kamui right now. And uh, unfortunately, Ryuko, through what I'm assuming is a combination of her implanted memories and her sort of semi-brainwashed state, is fighting relentlessly and uh, with, you know, like super aggression and, you know, dangerous attacks. And Satsuki is not synchronized with Senketsu. So she's definitely strong enough to not be wiped out in one strike, but she is also definitely losing this fight because Senketsu is not Junketsu and she doesn't know how to fight alongside him in the way that Ryuko did. And Ryuko isn't really having that handicap because she and Junketsu are working as kind of an automaton rather than as the partnership. Uh, Yeah. I like that a lot because Again, it's part of that role reversal, and it puts really good stakes into this fight. And really, the only way Satsuki doesn't lose this fight and get killed is the fact that the Elite Four jump in to take some of the heat. Yeah, and that's 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 the only thing that slows this down before the turn. And the turn of the fight um, is when uh, there is a, a opening uh, that the Elite Four... Uh, open up inside of the armor that is around uh, Ryuko and uh, inside of this they are able to implant or or I guess re reawaken her memories I I couldn't tell if it was like reawakening or like giving back her memories or yeah and it it seems like Mako and Senketsu literally go inside her body but then find themselves in like a mindscape it's a very just go with it. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's relatively surreal. <laughs> yeah, like you get the idea they are in some way connecting with her inner self and trying to talk her back to her senses and the details just don't worry about them too much. Yeah, you got to come to your senses. The fences are not the way to go. show <laughs> of ideas. <laughs> um and uh and so Mako is going to she's going to awaken enough to where she is going to completely decide that she does not want to be taken over, um, and she is going to rip out of uh, Junkets, and uh, when she does, there's just like, um, I I would say that this is a this is a Quentin Tarantino amount of blood that is going to be spread. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one Quentin Tarantino of blood is going to be spilled. Uh, maybe two Quentin Tarantinos of blood. Um, is yeah, going we, to be well, we know Tarantino's are units of blood, but only of large amounts of blood. Yeah, so I mean, there it's 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 a pretty big Quentin Tarantino of blood. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say more than one, but very much one Tarantino. Yeah, at least one Tarantino. Um, anyways, um, <laughs> this is my new favorite measurement of of things. <laughs> yeah, one Tarantino. This is obviously a real measurement. And everyone should start using it because it's real and we didn't just make it up. Yeah, I mean, don't don't at us, but we know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Uh, there's there's more that happens in this episode. I think not really though. Yeah. The, the no, episode I mean, sort of basically, just leaves you there. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's not a ton going on to talk about because most of it is fighting and. As we've covered on this show, talking about fighting has challenges in that, you know, big moments of the fight, you can discuss them. But the the sort of 
various backs and forth, especially from a high budget visual show like this. It's hard, it's hard to put that into words. This is something you should watch. Uh, but, you know, suffice it to say that after the, the heroes were sort of on the back foot, they are able to bring Ryuko back to her senses. And um, she is able to reject Junketsu and get herself out of it, which is actually significant because Nui shows up in the fight uh, at some point to reveal that Junketsu's life fibers have been wrapped like around Ryuko's heart or brain or something. And so like they cannot forcibly remove Junketsu from Ryuko without killing her. But when she removes it from herself, she is able to survive through the power of anime protagonist willpower. And it's pretty Mm. cool. Yeah. Uh, And then she rips herself out of it. It is, it is unreal. It is. Yeah. So so where it leaves us, I think Ryuko is, I get the impression that Ryuko is going to renege on her uh, earlier statement that she would not wear Senketsu anymore and put it back on. I suspect that Junketsu, which seems to be less of a being and more of a tool, will be put back on by Satsuki and that they will fight alongside each other to take out Rakyo, who in the meantime has uh, activated all the covers across the world and has made the primordial life fiber fly for reasons that will probably result in an aerial battle or maybe some shit in space because this is anime. Uh... But I don't know. Um, but that's what I'm guessing. It seems to me that Ryuko is poised to become the hero again and probably to where Senkatsu doing it. Uh, but I don't know. That's that's where it seems like we're left off. And we're definitely going to do our last Kill la Kill coverage uh, next time. So we'll... Uh, well, not next... Yeah, how this works. It's not our next episode, but it'll be the next Kill a Kill episode. And so we'll find out if I'm right or not. Yeah. So get excited or don't do whatever you want to do. Anyways, we'll see you (laughs) next time. We'll see you next time. But uh, after these credits, listen to uh, a a little preview, a little baby preview. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at Reddit.com slash R slash Get Jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of The Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of... 
If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geek Exploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto Shippuden episodes 49 through 53. Where we're going to need some scalpels, stat, and also some plot, stat, and also, I guess we're going to need more sassy sigh, stat, or whenever. Just, you know, we'll need them eventually, I guess. Well, you got to be careful with those scalpels or else you'll uh, get a Tarantino of blood. (laughs) Boom. Got it. Nailed it.